0: you, you 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 welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast, number one podcast, an open number one podcast in the Bay Area. And today we are joined by a special guest. Uh so he is a doctor who specializes in therapy and there's a lot of things going on in the world today and it seems like therapy is is uh trending right now so we just wanted to i just wanted to talk to someone who specializes in that so welcome dr norman how are you doing good hey good to see you how was your day today my day well
1: it turned out to be a bit busy Uh i got um besides seeing clients i i have other work to do behind the scenes with Mm. Um, organization I belong to. I'm on the board, Mm -hmm. a bunch of therapists. Uh, Just keep keeping up with paperwork. I don't, I don't take insurance, so I don't have that paperwork to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, What organization is this? It's called, well, there's a statewide organization called the California association of marriage and family therapists or camped, Mm. (laughs) not easy to say, (laughs) but I live out in Marin County. I live in Novato. Uh So I belong to the Marin chapter. When I lived in the city, I belonged to the San
0: Francisco chapter some years back. So is this like an organization that's, uh, I mean, what's the purpose of it? I know it's for therapy, but why was it created? Well, it's, it's more of an advocacy, advocacy group. Mm.
1: Um, It promotes us. Marriage and Family Therapist, which is my license to practice, mm-hmm. uh, it promotes us um, mostly through state legislature, federal legislature, uh, trying to get us equal rights mm-hmm. <laughs> with uh, psychologists and uh, social workers. Okay. That's how it came about in the first place.
0: Uh-huh. And how long have you been doing therapy? Uh I started, well, I graduated
1: from with my master's in 1991. Mm. So I actually started doing it in school in 89. Mm. So long time. What school did you go to? San Francisco State. Okay. So you're originally from the Bay Area? No, I grew up in New Jersey. New Jersey? Yeah. Okay. Where in New Jersey? South Jersey near Philadelphia. Okay. We were, we were, uh. Eagles fans.
0: Mm. <laughs> so, what was what was your uh, what was your childhood like? I mean, are, are you uh what year were you born? Was I what again? What year were you born?
1: Fifty four. Fifty four. Yeah. Okay. Saw more Phillies games than the Eagles games, really.
0: So you grew up during like the 50s, you lived through the seventies and, 60s, and 70s. Like the whole disco era and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Were you in Jersey at the time?
1: No, we moved to Florida. When I was in high school, Mm -hmm. my, my stepfather, my dad died when I was young and my stepfather, uh, contracted emphysema Mm -hmm. because he smoked. So we had to go to a warmer climate. I don't know that he had to quit smoking, but we had to go to a warmer climate. So we went to Florida. Mm -hmm. What part of Florida? Uh, there's a little tiny town called plant city Mm -hmm. that's close to Tampa. So Tampa, like the Tampa Bay area, but it's a little tiny
0: redneck. It's pretty redneck. Well, I would assume Florida's, (laughs) Florida's, uh, (laughs) all the crazy shit you hear in the news is always in Florida. Yeah. For some reason. It is. Did you like living there?
1: Did I like it? No. No. Mm -mm. No. I I, I think of it as going (laughs) into exile, Mm -hmm. leaving New Jersey and all my stuff behind.
0: So you left Florida and then went to San Diego, I mean, not San San Francisco state.
1: Well, when I left Florida, uh, it was 1981 is Mm -hmm. when I I moved out here. Uh, And it was, it was before I, I was, I had quit school. I was going to the university of Florida Mm -hmm. in Gainesville and I had lost interest in what I was studying. And what were you studying? Well, I was studying psychology, but at it, back then they didn't have much in the way of, uh, humanistic psychology towards counseling. It was more about studying rats in a laboratory that just didn't, I, I didn't have any interest in that. Mm. So I dropped out mm. and did some other things for a number of years.
0: So I'm like illegal. Thanks. you said that like (laughs) like it was some illegal shit (laughs) I've done some illegal shit yes yeah I mean everyone has yeah Uh, no actually
1: I I took up dancing okay I got into dancing and I danced
0: for about six around six years and when you say dancing we have to be specific on dancing ballet and modern dance some people might think oh stripping no so ballet
1: Yeah, I did ballet and modern dance. Wow. Yeah. And I worked in restaurants to support my habit.
0: Uh So were you considered like a professional dancer or you just doing it for fun?
1: Well, the most professional I ever got was I taught it for a while. Mm -hmm. So I was good enough to teach it. But I started when I was 22, Mm
2: -hmm. which
0: is late, even for a male dancer. So I didn't. But you excelled in it, right? Because I mean, obviously, you started teaching it. Well, so you had to be good. I knew, I knew what to tell people what to
1: do. I just couldn't do it and look that. I I didn't look good enough Mm -hmm. to to really make it big. It was a small town, so I got to perform a lot. There weren't that many guys dancing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't considered too macho Mm -hmm. to dance.
2: Okay.
0: So what, what happened to you to make you feel like you needed to go back to school? Well, that's, that's a,
1: that's a good question. Um, I was, um, you know, I said I worked in restaurants and I kind of faded out of dancing cause it just wasn't, I wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to make it. So I, I was kind of pursuing a restaurant career Like I was managing a a place in Berkeley, um, and, and which, which was hard, like being a night manager, I got into bartending, which was probably the most fun job I ever had. Um, but I was feeling kind of lost and I, I met up with an old friend of mine. We were having lunch and she was in graduate school to become a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about how lost I felt. She said, you know, you'd probably be really good with kids. Kids, I don't know anything about kids. I just just trust me. So she sent me to Edgewood Children's Center. It's a big residential treatment center out in the sunset in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And she connected me. I started doing, they called it child care worker. This was 1986. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked with a lot of kids who were taken out of their homes because their parents were either
0: abusive or not there or, you know, that kind of thing. So was this like volunteer work or this was an actual job? No, I got, it was
1: a job. Okay. Yeah, it was a job.
0: I was, so by this time, did you already have an a, a undergrad degree? I hadn't finished
1: it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I because I, you know, dancing and then... Mm-hmm. Quit dancing and then I took up with this working with kids. But the kids actually inspired me to go back and get my, to finish my graduate, to finish my bachelor's and get my graduate degree.
0: Mm. So, um, <clears throat> so when you were working with that, uh, your undergrad, what was your undergrad in? I mean, it's it just in psychology. Psychology, but not anything specific. Like was, abnormal psychology, children's, like, Well, that's the thing about a bachelor's degree. It's, it's very general.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's everything. Mm -hmm. It's abnormal. It's personality. It's, it's all, it's just a whole variety of psychology. So you can't do, can't do anything with a psychology degree. Yeah. Really. You have to get
0: a graduate degree. Mm -hmm. And then, so working with those kids, you knew the exact job that you wanted when you went back to school.
1: Yeah, well, I, I loved the kids, mm-hmm. despite how tough they were, They and they were tough. Yeah. Yeah, they were. They, uh, Well, you know, they had a lot of anger and uh, trust issues, and they took them out on us, because their parents weren't around to take it out on, mm-hmm. so they took it out on us. and um, And I knew that I wasn't going to spend my life getting spit on and beat on. So they helped me, you know, go back, but I was there for about four or five years. Mm-hmm. And then even at, at, when I went to graduate school, my, my placement in like a practicum where I tried it out was with kids mm. and I kept working with kids for a number of years until I had one.
0: How many kids do you have?
1: I have one daughter, one daughter, my okay. ex-wife had it. I, I was okay. just there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I had a kid. Yeah, I didn't have the
0: kid. <laughs> so, uh, what year did you f- complete school?
1: Ninety-one. Ninety-one. June, yeah, June first, nineteen ninety-one. Okay. She was born June 29th of nineteen
0: ninety-one. No, no, I'm talking. About that's when you had your child. Both. They both oh. happened. Oh, in the both same happened at the same time. I don't okay. recommend that. Okay. (laughs) So when you finished school, uh, what happened?
1: Well, in in order to to practice in the state of California as Mm. a psychotherapist, you have to get a license. And in order to get a license, you have to work under somebody's supervision. Mm -hmm. So I did some of that in graduate school. But then after I graduated, I got a job as a... We were called interns and, you know, you work for very little money. If, if you get paid, some places don't even pay you mm. and, and then you get supervision and somebody's basically watching to make sure you don't, you know, do any real so, damage.
0: So were you like, uh, counseling people yeah. at that time? Kids. I was, I was still, still working just kid. with kids. You were still yeah. working with kids. Yeah. I ended up
1: in a place with kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah
0: was there any a time where you were like second guessing like why am i why am i doing this i'm not changing anyone's lives or did you was it the complete opposite feeling because you know how teachers when they're teaching you got badass kids yeah and they're like why am i even teaching these kids they don't give a shit about math yeah like they're cussing at me they don't respect me and then a lot of a lot of teachers want to give up but that defeats the purpose of being a teacher. So have, did you ever get that feeling?
1: Yeah. 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 Plenty of times. I mean, in the beginning I was pretty excited mm. and I was, I was excited to try out new stuff, you know, cause I was studying all these different theories, all these different masters from my field. And I, I wanted to go do what they did. Mm. So I would try them on today I'm going to be so-and-so or today I'm going to be so-and-so. So I had a lot of fun with it, but then over time, especially when you've been working with somebody for a while and it's the same thing. And, you, and, and I ask myself, am I, am I really helping him or her or them? I, and, and then every once in a great while, somebody, I'll run into somebody who I saw, In fact, I ran into one of those kids from Edgewood Mm -hmm. many, many years later, and he was a grown man, and he gave me a big hug, and he said, "You really made a difference," and that just—that's all I needed. Yeah, that happens, but it doesn't happen often enough. You
0: know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that must be a good, uh, a great feeling. Yeah, especially from that kid because I thought, I don't know if he's going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you have to uh, work under someone before you became uh, certified? Um, I got my license in
1: 1994. Okay. So you have to get, you have to accumulate 3,000 hours mm-hmm. of practice and then you got to take two tests. Mm-hmm. And once you, well, you do all that, you get a license and you can,
0: you like can hang start out. your shangle. own business. So, yeah. Okay. Did you immediately start your own business after you uh, got certified?
1: Well, I was working under a, a, a guy in San Francisco. He had a practice, and what I, you know, I kind of worked under him. Mm-hmm. And so he would send me the people who couldn't afford his fee, who, you know, needed to pay less. Yeah. And so I kept working with him. I mean, once I got my license i I could kind of work alongside him mm-hmm. and then eventually i i did i started my own practice
0: I mean it kind of grew out of his shop so to speak mm-hmm. so um so you specialize in uh, let's see like relationship therapy right yeah like marriage counseling
1: I've done a lot of couple's work I did a lot of couples work under that supervisor.
0: Now, when I think of like therapists and stuff like that, right. Um, let me give an example. Like when I go, when you go to the gym, right. And then you want a trainer, you will want your trainer to look like they're in shape, right? Yeah. Like muscles, like someone who like looks like they work out. So, cause you're taking advice from this person. Right. Like I can't have a trainer who has a big belly and and they're telling me, oh, you need to do 10 sit-ups a day when it looks like he don't even do 10 (laughs) sit-ups. So you specialize in relationships and all that. And you said you were married, correct?
1: I'm married now. You're married now? And I've been married before.
0: Okay. Now, do you think um, being married and getting divorced and then married again. Do you think that's a negative when someone comes to you and asks for marriage advice, because they're like, okay, Oh, you're giving me this advice. How come you didn't take that advice on? Yeah. Take that advice on your first wife or blah, blah, blah. Do you, do you get that a lot? Or is that something that you feel is a correct uh, thing for someone to question?
1: I, I, I don't see why any, I mean, there's no reason somebody couldn't question that mm-hmm. at all if it, if it came up. Um, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's a problem because I know what it's like to be in a relationship. I know what it's like to go through difficult times mm-hmm. and I know what it's like to not be able to stay together and to go through divorce. And it's hard. And if anything, I can. I have a lot of empathy and understanding for people who go through it. Mm. So, and it's not exactly giving advice as much as it is, um, helping people figure out what they want. Mm. Because it doesn't matter what I tell them to do. They're not
0: going to do it. People don't (laughs) do what you ask them to do. No, no. So I mean what's the point of them what's the point of uh of them going to seek help then
1: Well because they 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 over time they begin to hear their own their own self mm-hmm. their own voice their you know the their heart they can hear that mm-hmm. and that's that's what I want that's what I want for them because I you know I could tell people to do that you know it's not the same as a a a medicine a medical doctor who says Stop. You got a problem with your rotator cuff. You should stop pitching Yeah. when you play baseball. You should do something else. Mm -hmm. And you keep pitching. It's not the same. It just, it doesn't work quite. It really doesn't work
0: like that. So basically it's like someone who's like addicted to like some type of drug. And the doctor says, you need to stop doing this drug. Because you're going to end up dying and then the psychologist when they go to therapy you're not telling them to stop doing the drug you're basically trying to find out why they're doing the drug yeah what's it about yeah and i do i actually i mean part of my specialty is
1: alcohol and subs and other substances
0: because when you figure out the why because if they're doing drugs if they're addicted they don't even know why they're addicted, mm-hmm. so they can't be like, "Oh, I'm gonna stop." They've lost. They've lost. By the time they realize they're addicted, they've lost sight of what why they started in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the whole point of therapy, to you. That's a
1: pretty good summary. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you think um, nowadays, like? therapy and mental, uh, like getting mental help and all this other stuff is, I think it's becoming, people are starting to use it because it's just a cool thing to say like, Oh, I'm, I'm in therapy. I, I talk to a therapist. Do you <laughs> like everyone's talking to a therapist? Oh, I'm, I'm sad today. Oh, I, you should go see a therapist. Do you think everyone needs therapy? Cause I don't think everyone needs therapy. No, no. I don't think everyone needs therapy. I think people need, um,
1: I think people need support. Mm-hmm. people can get support from their friends from their community from their church from their whatever it, it doesn't have to be us I I mean and there are people I've worked with who I've said you know I think you could get this from you know another place mm-hmm. and save yourself a lot of money mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be it's it's more I, I think for people that have a more serious, Mental illness, a more serious concern. I mean, they're so depressed that they feel like killing themselves. Mm-hmm. That's pretty serious. Yeah. That, for, as an example.
0: Can someone be like, oh, I'm, I'm pissed off. I lost my job. Like, I'm late mm-hmm. on the rent, blah, blah, blah. And I, I've had a thought of killing myself because I'm in these situations. But then... Let's say two weeks later, they're, they don't have those thoughts. Would you suggest therapy to a person like that? Or would you just be like, I mean, you were just in a, in a bad state of mind th- that one time, but you don't need to go seek a therapist. You don't need to like, cause I had a conversation with, uh, some of my friends and we were talking about the same thing. And I was like, yo, people don't just because you're sad one day. That doesn't mean you're depressed. You're just fucking sad that, oh, I'm sad that the Cincinnati Bengals lost the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to be sad for a week. That doesn't mean I'm in depression mode. Right. So I don't need a therapist, but people, but they were like, yeah, I think everyone should go talk to a therapist.
1: Well, there, there, there is, I think there's, I think it has become popular. Yeah. Which is, Maybe it's a good and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's a lot of people that have always poo-pooed it, like it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. It, it we you know just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. Some people can and, and move on, but but there's also, I mean, if, if if somebody comes to me and 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 they just want to be a better person, okay, I mm-hmm. can work with that but I'm, I'm going to remind them they're paying me
2: <laughs>
1: and, and it's okay with me, but I, I'm always upfront mm. that, you know, you don't have to like, I, I just, I want you to make an informed choice. Yeah. Right. You, you, if you want to do this, it's okay. It's cool with me. You want to pay me for this. I'm, I, I love working with people and talking to people. It's, mm. it's, I love it. But, and especially if it's not real hard. Because there's some people that are harder to work with than others. Some people are really willing. Other people are like kicking and screaming because they don't want to change.
0: Have you ever told someone like, listen, you're just, you're basically wasting your time. You don't really need therapy. Have you ever told someone that? Like you need to stop seeing me because there's, I mean, you're, I think you're perfectly fine.
1: Well, I've never been quite that blunt, Mm. but I have... I have said, uh, I've had people who, no matter what I say, they've always got a reason not to, you know, like not you should do this, but every time you do this, every time you drink as an example, Mm. every time you drink, you end up loaded and driving your car and your wife is really worried about you hurting yourself. And yet, no matter, no matter what, no matter what happens, you keep saying you're not ready to quit. When are you going to be ready? What is it going to take? And that's a challenge. Mm. To your point, that person may just not want to change. They may not want to stop drinking. And they may not care enough about their own life and others
0: mm. to go drunk driving. So at that point, you're just when you when you uh, come across someone like that. At that point, you just say what you just say. Oh, I can't I can't do anything for you. I
1: would yeah I would say something like that. Mm. So I've had those conversations with the people with people, and when they hear that it it sometimes it rattles them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they, it it it, ha, it it can sort of wake them up a little bit.
0: Do you think uh, just the fact that they continue to go see you is telling you that they kind of want to change, but they just haven't? Yeah. Gotten yeah. there yet?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. Every you know, nobody comes to therapy skipping and mm. whistling and being and singing a song because they're really happy to be there. It's usually because there's a crisis.
2: Mm.
1: You know, one of my questions is always why now? What happened? It's, what did something just happen? Mm. And usually it there was something that happened. My wife threatened to
0: kick me out if I don't stop drinking. <laughs> oh, okay, mm. well that's a motivator. Yeah. What are um, some of the reasons, do you think, um, marriage, uh, that people are not getting married as much anymore? Well,
1: I think uh, my, my parents' generation, it was harder to get divorced. My generation, it became easier to get divorced. Mm-hmm. And I think the next generation, which would be my daughter and maybe maybe you, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, um, might be like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. If we can live together, we can do everything like a married couple.
0: What's the point? Why? Mm-hmm. Why get married? Do you think feminism is one of the reasons people don't get married anymore because a lot of women just be like, Oh, I don't need. Cause when you think about marriage, I'm pretty sure you're, when you look at your parents, were your, are your parents still alive? Mm-hmm. Did they pass away when they, they were still married when they passed? <laughs> that's a, that's a complicated, my,
1: my father died when I was a kid mm. and my stepfather and remarried. My mother remarried to my stepfather but they, they split up. Mm. So they were both, he was remarried again. And he, I think he was, his wife was still there when he died. She was single. She
0: was alone. No, okay. mom. Oh, well, let me, <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> a that was a- but you know, uh, let me give you this example. So, you know, f- feminism, mm-hmm. feminism jumps on the scene. Gets bigger and bigger every decade and then but it's I think it's even more bigger now in this these generation of women because uh, when you think of marriage you think of I mean most people think of like old school times like the man head of a household goes to work the woman stays at home raises the raises the children controls the uh, the house so you think of those male female um, gender roles, roles. And then the women today, the whole feminist movement, like they're like, okay, well, well, the women shouldn't have to stay home. Like, or I don't even need a man. I don't need to do this. They, they don't want to conform to those old school rules because they think it's, it's bad. So do you think that's part of the reason a lot of, uh, people aren't getting married? Or do you agree with that?
1: Well, when you say old school, that's like my parents' generation. Yeah. Because from my generation, lots of people didn't marry, or if they did and split up, then they ended up living with somebody. Mm -hmm. So is feminism making a difference? I mean, I don't know how anybody, unless they live in Marin County, can afford to be a single Family earner, mm. like the man, and we're also talking about straight relationship.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, well, just any. I mean, yeah, we can use straight relationship, but I'm just talking about in, uh, marriage in general.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, when you, because you're saying men and women. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: We'll, we'll
2: but in those in
1: those roles, those traditional gender roles, mm-hmm. a man and woman. My mom sta- My mom, you know what she did? She was a housewife. That was her job. Mm -hmm. And dad and later stepdad, they, they worked Mm -hmm. outside the house, but she had to deal with five of us. Mm -hmm. I don't know which job was harder. I think hers was harder.
0: Yeah. But a lot of women in modern times won't even, they don't even want to do that. So, I I mean, I just think that's a, that's one of, that's, There's a lot of reasons why the marriage rate is down. And I just think that's one of the reason of the many reasons. Why do you think people get divorced? What's one of the uh, reasons you think the biggest reason? I think the hardest thing about being married
1: is. Well, how do I put this? The, the, the primary. The primary principle to keep people together is their commitment Mm -hmm. to each other. Because no matter how amazing each of them are, shit's going to happen. It's inevitable. You can't not have shit happen in a relationship. It's Mm -hmm. impossible. Mm -hmm. So when shit happens do you have the commitment to work through it and get to the other side of it, no matter what it takes Mm -hmm. and, and, and then stay together. Mm -hmm. But there's, I mean, somebody might argue, yeah, but okay. We did that for 20 years, but I felt like our relationship was just done. We'd grown in different directions. And I mean, that happens too. But I I do see people run into barriers, which is their spouse, Mm -hmm. but it's really themselves because she's just mirroring me and I'm mirroring her. And the Mm -hmm. stuff I see in her that pisses me off are the things in me that piss me off. If I have enough awareness to remember that, I might be able to calm down and get through that thing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does?
0: Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question, but I mean, I'm pretty sure, I mean, you're, you're a white man. I am. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening, not on YouTube, but why do you think black men specifically don't seek therapy? I mean, obviously some black men do, but in the black culture, a lot of black men, th- they like, oh, therapy. I don't, I don't need therapy. I, I mean, my, I just got pulled over and beat up by the cops. Uh, my fucking brother got shot, murdered, and you, all those things that are going on, those are like trauma, trauma things. So you would, any normal person would be like, oh yeah, you need to, don't hold it inside. Just yeah. mean, speak to someone. But a lot of black men will refuse. To go see a, uh, a psychologist. Why, why do you I think so, that yeah, is? Why do you Why do you think uh, Why do you think that is?
1: Well, you could probably answer that better <clears throat> than I could. I've never been a black man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the messages are mm-hmm. within a black man's world mm-hmm. about because therapy can be seen in a, any community. Not I mean, any white communities as well is my point
2: mm-hmm.
1: can be seen as you're weak. Mm-hmm. I've heard men say that, and I get men calling me for therapy, and I'm like, "Wow, you're <laughs> they're white men, mm-hmm. well, not all white men, but more than not that they're actually seeking therapy, which that is a a newer trend to me younger white men are seeking therapy but my point back to what you're asking about um it's a it's a, it's a I think it's it's seen as a sign of weakness by some people mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's what were you told that <laughs> 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 I know you don't want to be
0: interviewed but I, I mean think, yeah yeah I think that's uh I think that's what it is a sign of weakness and I mean the black man specifically we're looked at we're looked at as you know big you have to be strong, deal with all the shit that's going on in the world so yeah, so I think that's a very uh very valid point, and i think it's it's true yeah it is uh seen as weakness in the black community do, do you know <clears throat> So like a lot of people think, said I should talk to a therapist, but I, I don't think I should. I mean, I don't think I need to. Well, you you're going to know that. Mm-hmm. I think
1: you know that better than anybody does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But finding a black male therapist—that's—I th- I know one. <laughs> I can think of one. Yeah. An old colleague of mine who who's here in Oakland.
0: Hmm.
1: I. Or even a, 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 a woman of color as a, a therapist. There's more of them than men of color therapists, mm-hmm. because there's more women in my field than men in general.
0: So you say you work in you work and live in Marin. Yeah. What's the like the client? Are most of your clients living in Marin?
1: It's a mixture. I've got some. I've got a, I've got some in the city, um, and some in Marin. I see some on Zoom, Mm -hmm. especially if they're at a a distance because, Mm -hmm. you know, the pandemic kind of made that a thing. And some people come to see me in person.
0: Um, Do you get a different type of client, like your Marine clients? Do they come to you with like certain problems and then the San Francisco clients come with a whole different type of problems? Like as one drastic... More drastic than the other?
1: No, not really. No. Uh -uh. No. But I've worked in worlds where the people that I see in private practice, compared to some of the people I've worked with in nonprofit agencies, Mm -hmm. where I've I've done a lot of work also, those people have no problems Mm -hmm. compared to being homeless, living on
0: the street, being addicted to drugs and alcohol and having a mental illness have you ever were you ever like in a session and then like some rich white person is like talking to you and they're like oh i'm just having a worst day my my uh, range rover <laughs> i couldn't park i couldn't park in my normal spot some lady took my spot so i had to Wait, for drive five more minutes out of my normal drive <laughs> to get to the center spot. And then you're thinking in the back of your mind, I just got off of Zoom uh, with my other client before you walked in here. And she, her daughter just like committed suicide or, and now she's like homeless or whatever she's at. Now she's on drugs. Do you ever think like your fucking problems are not really problems and you're sitting here complaining about it? Do you ever think that? And then when you think it, do you ever voice it to your clients? Well, you'd be surprised at what
1: goes on in our heads. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you wouldn't. I mean, I think stuff like that, it's not uncommon for somebody to be saying something like that and for me to be internally rolling my eyes that this isn't really a problem. But I got to remind myself that this Range Rover driving rich white guy—that's his problem. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to help him with his problem, and, and 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 my hope mm. is to kind of bring his awareness a little bit a little bit higher <laughs> to recognize that that's. That is, it's a fairly minor inconvenience Mm -hmm. compared to the people I've worked with. And I, because I have worked with people in, from all walks of life in other settings.
0: Mm -hmm. What, uh, the relief work that you were doing that you mentioned earlier. Oh, in Greece. Greece. Yeah. Tell me about that. Oh boy.
1: Well, I, um, 2015 I uh left a job uh kind of it was kind of abrupt Mm -hmm. but it was necessary and um like left or got fired I got fired okay (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that uh yeah it was pretty it was pretty uh it it shook me up Mm -hmm. seriously shook me up and um I'd had this. Was it?
0: What I mean? Did you get fired unexpectedly, or was it something that you did?
1: No, I didn't. It's nothing that I did. Okay. I was fired. uh, They claimed I was harassing Mm. somebody. Was there any truth to that? Mm -mm. Okay. No, there were some. Well, the 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 whole thing evolved into a lawsuit from. The person who was, who her lawyer pushed against Mm -hmm. the company to get rid of me. And ultimately she sued the company and me. Mm -hmm. I mean, the company covered the whole, but they, they, it was a lawsuit for harassment. Mm.
0: So it was like some sexual harassment shit. Okay. Was yeah. this a coworker? No, I was a supervisor. Oh. Uh, yeah.
1: Did she win? He he uh, settled out of court. The mm. the guy who owned the company settled out of court.
0: I'm sure you don't want to go into that.
1: <laughs> well, I don't I th- I think it was
0: Why would why did why did she say you were sexually harassing?
1: Well, Sexually harassing, I, I, I don't understand at all. Mm-hmm. We, I, I was the director of this particular program and I would meet with the different people, you know, to like, I was overseeing their work, mm-hmm. managing, helping to manage things. And we would meet and, um, I'm a very touchy person. Yeah. It's, it's a habit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything other than if you, if you were sitting closer, you know, when we were talking, I might pat you on the arm mm. or I might pat you on the shoulder. And I do that with everybody. And it's been a source of, it's a problem mm. because as I've been reminded, when you're a supervisor, you shouldn't do that. Not in this litigious world we live in. Yeah. So I did. And um, I... She didn't say anything, but I, you know, I'm a therapist. So I picked up on something and mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I'm, am I making you uncomfortable? There was just this feeling. She said, you are, I said, Oh, sorry. I, that wasn't my intention. I was just being friendly.
0: So after she said you are, you stopped.
1: I did. And then I. So how the fuck can she sue you for that? And then I forgot.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you forgot and did it again. I did it again. Ah. Uh. Yeah.
1: It was like in passing, Mm -hmm. she was walking by and I, and I patted her arm to get her attention Mm -hmm. again, like just patted her arm to get attention. And then, um, and then things went downhill.
0: Uh Yeah. Okay. All right. So you left, you left that job, left that job, got booted out of that job. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: and I had, I had had this, decades long desire to move to Europe, Netherlands. Mm. I knew some Dutch guys when I was in school back in the seventies. Nice. And I wanted to go like
0: Amsterdam area.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a college town not too far from Amsterdam. Mm. I wanted to go to. So I thought, I think this is it. I don't know. It just like popped up. Mm Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about it in a long time. I decided I was going to take that opportunity. I I owned my own condo, so I sold it. I got rid of or sold everything I owned, except for two suitcases, which I took with me. I got rid of everything. So I had enough money to live on for a few years. So I went to the Netherlands because I thought I would finally, I was in a doctoral program after my master's. I decided I wanted to be called doctor. Hmm. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was cool. That is cool. So I thought I would finish my dissertation. Mm-hmm. And I lived in the Netherlands for about six months. I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot going on. I was just, you know, like making my
0: way around. Studying. Was it, was it all cracked up uh, that you thought it was going to be? Or did you get there? And like, uh, it's not
1: that. Well, I, the Dutch are, Great people, they're really lovely people. Mm. But the but the weather, it's like living on a boat in a storm, except the boat doesn't move. <laughs> <laughs> it's constantly raining and the wind is always blowing.
0: Yeah, it's just shitty weather all the time. I can imagine going from sunny California, yeah, to that.
1: Yeah, they get a little dry weather in the summer, mm-hmm. a little bit.
0: So, how long were you there for? About six months. Six I, months.
1: I got involved in a Dutch charity that was sending um, humanitarian aid down to Greece for the refugees coming out of Syria and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So a couple Dutch people I met through that, a woman and her daughter, a teenage daughter, they said, hey, we're going to be going. We're going down to Athens. Why don't you come? Because, you know, to go to Athens is like going to Southern California from here. Mm-hmm. So I went with them and i just totally fell in love i fell in love with greece i fell in love with the work it was supposed to be a week i stayed there for a month Mm -hmm. i went back to holland to meet my daughter and have a vacation we had planned
0: and then moved back to greece and stayed there for close to a year Mm -hmm. was it a uh why did you leave come back to the states i got real tired and really burn out humanitarian work
1: is just it's it's hard mm-hmm. the trauma you know i mean I'm, I'm sensitive to that stuff i i should be because it's my work mm-hmm. but being around refugees i worked in a refugee camp outside of athens for about six months and um you could feel the trauma you could like feel it coming off mm-hmm. these folks and they were so sweet and so kind I couldn't understand I couldn't make sense of how could they be so sweet and kind and have been through what they've been through in Syria or Afghanistan for that matter
0: what um so you know uh psychologists right um, people say in order to study psychologists or I mean, in order to study psychology, you have to be like a little bit like crazy. Have you heard that before? (laughs) (laughs) Because you're, you're basically getting into people's minds and heads and shit. Yeah. And a lot of, if you look at history, a lot of, uh, like crazy people were psychologists, like the person who, um, who Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler's right hand man, the person who, who uh, who started the whole holocaust let's like get rid of the Jews was a psychologist I didn't know that yeah I, mean, I forgot his name but he, he 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 came with the whole he told Hitler about the whole Oh, we're the master race and we need to get rid of the Jews that that guy he was the architect of the holocaust he was a psychologist um who else was a psychologist was, you're, t- you're telling the world this yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, there's other people, but I just can't, but that's the, that's one person that I can think of off the bat. But there's been a lot of, um, like crazy people who, who were, uh, big in the, in history. Yeah. They were psychologists. So, do you agree when people say, oh, you have to be a little bit, uh, you have to be a little bit crazy to study the, uh, the human mind?
1: Well, <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think to a certain, uh, to, to some degree, cause like I, I find, I find the human mind fascinating and I, I know my own fairly well. I, I have, I've been a, a practicing meditator for, for decades. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> meditation has taught me a lot about myself as much, if not more than therapy ever has. So by knowing my mind, I, I can know other people's minds. Mm-hmm. It, it not very much bothers me or scares me. I mean, it's always, sometimes I, I step back from myself and say, I mean, because some, some of the people I've dealt with who are fluidly psychotic, like seriously, they really are out of their minds mm. and in a I mean this doesn't sound very professional but <laughs> but somebody with a psychosis yeah who doesn't know where they are or thinks that you know you're reading my mind or you know that kind of paranoia mm-hmm. and they're using drugs at the same time which just makes the whole thing worse and I've had it I've dealt with people like that and I've always and I always I feel at ease it doesn't bother me Mm -hmm. but i also had a couple brothers who were schizophrenic i grew up with them they were from a different dad they had my mother was married a few times
0: oh these are your yeah my my own brothers i thought just like brothers like black brothers like my brothers
1: yeah no these were my
0: (laughs) biological brothers
1: i have those brothers too
0: Uh (laughs) <clears throat> does um like knowing so i mean obviously you're a doctor so does knowing so much about the human mind do you think that sometimes hurts the relationships you have when you like meet people or like with friends because you're always analyzing them well i'm not always analyzing them no <laughs> not well <laughs> like uh, like if you're a dentist like i'm pretty sure when you get off work and you're just in a bar meeting a girl, you're looking at her teeth. Like that never leaves your mind. <laughs> like if you notice someone with a, with a, with a cavity form and, and you're a dentist and you're just in a bar talking to a girl, you're going to look at her teeth like, oh shit, you got a cavity. So on the back of your mind, you're fucking thinking about teeth no matter what. So I, you're a therapist. You're, a, you're a psychologist. So when you meet people just off the street and you're talking like, oh, Damn, I see, I see that you have a little bit of trauma, like in the back of, just on regular conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I I get what you, I get what you mean.
1: Yeah. Yeah, when you said analyze, it kind of threw me. But I do think, I mean, as I, I can kind of, I kind of get people Mm -hmm. fairly easily and quickly because I... mm, I'm trained. I mean, I'm trained. You know, I'm a trained observer. You know, just it's one of the, it, it. It gets me in trouble with like with my my wife, for example, or my even my daughter. They'll be like, "Why are you staring at those people?" I say, "Oh, I'm just fascinated." But that is my daughter. That mm-hmm. it, it, it's really kind of gross. You know, she's thirty. She's kind of gross. You're staring at people and like. I just find people so interesting and, and you're right. Maybe, you know, I shouldn't stare at them. I really am fascinated. And I, when I'm looking at people, I'm trying to understand what's going on. Like there's a family over there at a table in a restaurant and I'm going to figure out the family dynamics. This is what I sort of play around with. Mm -hmm. It's real. It's hard for me to resist.
0: Why do you think you're so interested in people?
1: I think because of the crazy family I grew up in. There mm. was a lot of mental illness in my family, a lot of addiction, mm. a lot of craziness. And I I survived it. And um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about people from my family and about myself and, and what I can handle
0: and not handle. What childhood tr- uh, trauma did you go through? Well... Um, my, my
1: father, my biological father ha- was bipolar.
0: Mm. And you said your brothers were too, right?
1: Well, so my mother's first husband, before she married my dad, she was schizophrenic. Mm. She had three sons, my three older brothers. Mm-hmm. Half brothers. I mean, we all grew up together, so we were brothers. Two of them were schizophrenic. Uh, then she then she split up with him and married my father, who was bipolar. My younger brother is bipolar. I'm a little moody. <laughs> 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 I'm not bipolar. Okay. But I, I definitely have some mood issues, mm-hmm. you know, I've learned over the years how to manage myself pretty well.
0: So basically the childhood trauma that you've been through is just like growing up with these people with these illnesses. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The yelling and the chaos. And, you know, I mean, she, all, my mother had five
1: boys too. I mean, that if we were all, you know, normal, that would be crazy anyway.
0: What's so is uh schizophrenia schizophrenia is that something that's passed down in like DNA? Because you said she married someone who was bipolar and then the kids that she had ended up getting it.
1: Yeah. Well, there's there's some there's some genetic connection. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much. I don't know what percentage. Because she had three sons with that man. Two of them were schizophrenic and one of them wasn't. And then she had two more with her next husband. Mm-hmm. My younger brother turns out bipolar, but I'm not, I'm not completely normal, mm-hmm. but you know what? There is no such thing.
2: Mm.
0: What's the difference between someone being schizophrenic and someone being bipolar? Cause I was under the impression and a lot of people are under the impression that those are basically the same things.
1: No. Well, no. So schizophrenia is what's called a thought disorder. It's some, somebody's, somebody whose thoughts don't make a lot of sense. They, you might have heard about this, like hearing voices mm-hmm. or having hallucinations. I've worked with people or I've worked in programs with people who are hearing voices and, and, and even as a kid, because my brothers were quite a bit older than me, and they were like late teenagers, and they were, they, one of them in particular would would sit there, and he'd, he'd like, he, he would be like arguing with somebody, but nobody was there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He was having this like thing going on, like a dialogue in his head, because he was hearing voices. So schizophrenia. So people with schizophrenia. Um, when I said psychosis earlier, that it's 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 a it's a kind of psychosis. There's mm. different. There's <laughs> this, is, this is hard to. I mean, I, I I'm trying to make sense of it for your listeners. Yeah, to not so
0: explain it in the dumbest way that you well. To,
1: I mean, just to make it not too clinical Um, psychosis means you're out of your mind. Mm -hmm. People get psychotic from using too much methamphetamine. A normal regular person can use too much meth and become psychotic. Chances are that when the meth goes away, they'll go back to their normal mind again. But if they use it too much and for too long, they can, It can become a permanent state. Meth-induced psychosis. Mm. Schizophrenia is something that doesn't come from a drug. It comes from, it's, I don't know exactly what the mechanism is, but there's something happening in the brain. Mm. There's different kinds of schizophrenia. There's paranoid, maybe you've heard of that, Mm. or your listeners have heard of, he's really paranoid. You know, and it's somebody who's like, uh, the voices they hear are giving him shit constantly. If you could imagine like somebody just yelling at you, that's, that's what they're hearing. And they get so bad that they're telling them to kill themselves because people will attempt suicide because the voices They're called command hallucinations. You got to kill yourself. You need to go to the Golden Gate Bridge and get your sorry ass out of here. That kind of thing. So that would, there's schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Bipolar is called a mood disorder and it's uh, depression down. Mania is up. Somebody who's manic can seem like a really like they're having a really good time because they don't sleep for days it can, look math can do that too by the way kiss mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> any of y'all know
0: yeah just stay it, away from math
1: yeah so math so sorry the the mania is like they're up for days they're they do pretty reckless things like if they have money, they're spending all their money. They're buying things. They think they're like real grandiose mm. that they are maybe the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Mm. I mean, I've, I've met people who believe that they were, they're the new savior or they are a savior mm. and that they're here to save the world. And, and they're talking really fast. And they're sometimes there's, they're like hypersexual just fucking everybody left and right.
2: Mm.
1: Um That's the mania. The depression is so depressed. This is what my mom used to say about my dad. He would get so depressed. He couldn't get out of bed. Couldn't didn't get up to bathe. Didn't get up to eat. Didn't get up to do anything. Just Go to the
0: bathroom, back to bed,
1: and mm-hmm. be that like that for weeks.
0: That's kind of how like my dad was. He used to sit in his room and just drink. So he might have been. I mean, he was. He might have been uh bipolar, but I just thought he was an alcoholic. He might have just been an alcoholic. See, if somebody is, because the motherfucker used to yell all the time, but that he only did it when he was drunk. So. See, you've
1: got to remove the substance to find out if there's a mental illness there. Yeah. Because I've worked in rehabs, Mm. and people come in loaded. You don't know what's what. You don't know if they got anything besides Mm. the substance. Mm. And when the substance comes out for a while, then you can get a a clearer picture of what else is, if there's something else there.
0: So, like you said, schizophrenia is like something that's going on in the brain. So, how does... Well first of all how does one prove that one is schizophrenic like how can you prove that and then how does one how can you prove that this person or like a person is faking to be schizophrenic because it's in the, it's in the brain right yeah but why would somebody fake something like well that? just because like let's say someone like a crazy person kills his wife and children and oh. and then he fake, He goes, stands trial, and he wants to get off. He doesn't want the death penalty, so he wants to get off. And say, oh, I'm schizophrenic. I was hearing voices to kill my family. Oh. How do you prove that? Oh, this person was just lying. He's just a. He just wanted to kill his wife and kid. Well,
1: that that would require a really skilled <clears throat> psychologist or psychiatrist to just to do a thorough assessment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's it's a lot of questions.
0: So, yeah, basically, what I'm asking is, there's nothing that you can do like scientifically, like you can't look at the brain. Like, has there any? Has there been any studies to where like they looked at people who say they're schizophrenic, their brains, and then there's something similar in each brain of these people that we know.
1: I yeah, I've heard of I've heard of some of those studies, but I don't I don't think they've been proven they've been proven out well enough to say you know sorry Mm. this this guy's stand in trial so let's do a brain scan and we'll know there's nothing that i know of that could do that
0: Mm. okay is by being bipolar is that easier to tell than someone being schizophrenic like if you have two people, one is by bi- one says he's bipolar, one says he's schizophrenic. By just looking at them and studying them for like a few hours, is it easier to come up with a diagnosis? Like, oh yeah, this guy is this guy's bipolar because of what he's doing, and this guy's schizophrenic because of what he's doing. Is there like certain things that you can that you would look for personally? Um.
1: Well, here's, here's another, here's another complication. Somebody can be bipolar Mm. and remember when I was describing the mania, like they're really high, that high can. um, When they're like that, it's likely that they're psychotic at the same time and psychotic is like i was saying earlier where you you don't know like he has no he has no grasp of reality mm. he really he thinks he's jesus christ he believes he's jesus christ. he believes he can fly mm. and he's going to jump off a building and he because he thinks he can fly so somebody can so in that state next to a a person who's schizophrenic they can look fairly similar. You have to kind of go more by history. It's difficult in your scenario with a few hours. Yeah. Be, might be hard to tell. Um, I mean, if I, you know, if I was hanging out with, with a group of people and they had different diagnoses and I didn't know I might pick up on, you know, based on some of the behaviors or, or the way they interact with other people.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a I have a good friend named Ron, and he believes deep in his head that uh, like Steph Curry is like the greatest basketball player he's ever seen. Who? Steph Curry.
1: Basketball or baseball? Basketball. Yeah.
0: His name is Ron, and he believes that Steph Curry is the greatest player ever to play basketball, which is wrong, obviously. Well, he's a good so, pl- he's a damn good player. So, do you think? ron is kind of
1: based on that i wouldn't think anything Uh just just that alone (laughs) no no no. ron if you're listening don't listen to him (laughs) all
0: right so uh who do therapists what does a therapist do when they need therapy they go to therapists so therapists go to therapists
1: sure I've, I've been to plenty of therapists.
0: So, I mean, how does that work? Because you're a therapist going to a therapist. Do you think like, Oh, I don't like your methods or do you compare to your methods? Because you already know what this person is thinking. Cause you're a therapist too. Right. So can that be weird? I think it would depend on the skill of the therapist. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I saw a therapist. Um, I think, while i was still in graduate school and then afterwards for a while and he was really a great therapist and i learned a lot about how to do therapy by watching what he did with me because mm. my experience with him taught me about like just his technique and his style mm. were really good so but, it helped you huh it helped you it helped me it helped me a lot i mean i was I was younger, newer, so I was really open. I'd like to think I'm still open to learning.
0: I, what were you in therapy for?
1: Oh God, what was I in therapy for that time? Well, everything always seems to go back to my family. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just a lot of chaos, and um, I I ended up with a drinking and drug problem. Mm-hmm. myself, personally. I've been clean and sober now for a little over 13 years. Mm. Um, so I know what it's like to struggle with addiction. And there was a lot of addiction in my family. I don't know about my father because he died when I was young, but my oldest brother was a gambler. The bro- I have a brother who, I have two brothers who died. One of them died from alcoholism. It killed him. And the other one smoked himself to death.
2: Mm.
1: My younger brother well, I don't know, I'm not in touch with him, but he was he was sober for a long time mm-hmm. and then he decided he didn't need medication anymore because he found Jesus. And Jesus mm-hmm. was going to you know take care of (laughs) them.
0: Unfortunately, (laughs) Jesus wasn't home. Uh, So do you think if you didn't grow up in that household or in a household, that chaotic, uh, you would never have gotten addicted to drugs? Maybe. Maybe.
1: I mean, my, my mother's father, my grandfather, Mm -hmm. he was definitely an alcoholic. Mm. It was a real nasty, abusive alcoholic. My uncles, her, bro- my mom's brothers, they were, they were all alcoholics. So, and I, and we, and we do know in my field and in my life that there's, there's a genetic predisposition to addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's in the family, it doesn't mean you're doomed and yep. you're going to become one. It mm. just means
0: the chances are higher. Yeah, cause my, my father was an alcoholic and like literally hardly none of us, none of my siblings drinks. Yeah. Is that on purpose? <clears throat> I mean, it's, I mean, um, it's to me, I, I'm, well, I'll just speak for myself, but to me, it was on purpose because I resented, I resented him and I was like, okay, well, I, The reason for me not drinking is because if I drank, I would feel like I'm doing something, I'm more like you. So me not drinking proves that because I don't like you. So I'm not even going to do the shit like him. He was smoked too. So I never even smoked before in my life because he smoked cigarettes, cigarettes, anything, anything. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I do think it's, uh, I mean, some people it goes like that. And then some people do it because yeah yeah i I, i've known people like yourself who said
1: "Mm -mm, i don't want to i don't want to be i don't want to be that i don't Mm want to do that
0: yeah yeah all right well dr norman uh thank you for for coming on everyday celebrity podcast it was uh it was a good informative conversation um if you would like, if you want to tell the people where they can find you, if you have any social media you want to give out to the I world. Do. I do, yeah. Your website or whatever. If a lot of people hearing this who are depressed or want someone to talk to, if you want to give whatever contact information you want.
1: Yeah, probably the simplest thing to do is just my website, mm-hmm. which is is www. Do we still say that? It's really just <laughs> normanherring.com dot okay. com. That has about me and what I do and stuff like that. Okay. Best way to get in touch. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you for coming on. This is any last words?
1: No, but thank you. Yeah. I want to thank you. It was good. I'm really glad I did this. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me
0: you're hey, welcome i think uh yeah a lot of people need to especially in these times yeah a lot yeah. of people uh need someone to talk to
1: yeah the pandemic
0: yeah it's just been
1: it's wreaked havoc on
0: my mental health mm mm-hmm. yeah because yeah, I feel like this podcast a lot of people come on this podcast i mean they tell me shit about their lives that they don't tell no one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and they feel comfortable telling me that because it's I mean it's a relaxing setting and you forget that you're like having a recorded conversation. So I kind of feel like I'm a goddamn therapist myself.
1: I was going to say, you know, you you got good <laughs> skills.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you ask
1: good questions and you listen well. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a lot of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, well. Maybe right. in another life. Yeah. But this is Everyday Celebrity Podcast, and we are out. You...